A few weeks ago, Pastor Matt started a series of sermons that was on what did Jesus teach? And what he did was he began to talk about what did Jesus teach about different topics? Like what did Jesus teach about the Bible? What did Jesus teach about what's our best life? Uh, what did Jesus teach about suffering? Remember those? And uh, we took a break last week because we had a missionary speaker who was great. So I'm going to get back, though, into the series that Matt started, What Did Jesus Teach? And this morning, we're going to talk about what did he teach about our heart? Our heart. Now, by heart, I don't mean our physical heart. I'm talking about that invisible heart that is the core of who we are. It's the center of our personality. And I'll describe it more in a little bit. But that's the heart I'm talking about this morning. That heart is very important to Jesus. In the Gospels in the New Testament, Jesus used the word heart about 50 times. And in the Bible overall, it's mentioned about 725 times. So you don't have to be a brain surgeon to guess our heart must be pretty important to Jesus and to his Father. So why is that? Let's talk about why it's so important to Jesus and why it should be so important to us. Well, first of all, it's in our heart where we do all of our thinking. And we all know we have to do correct thinking, biblical thinking, and that'll make our life better, right? It's in our heart also where we feel strong emotion. And emotions can either help us have a good day or bad day too, can't they? We need to, by faith, uh, do things and, and not let our emotions rule us but our emotions are an important part of who we are, and that's in our heart. Most importantly this morning, what I want to talk about, it's in our heart that we make decisions. Every day in our heart, we make a decision that will really determine the direction of our life that day and maybe a long-term direction. We make decisions that will either go in a godly direction or an unly, take us in an ungodly direction. We make decisions where we'll ex either experience God's blessing or His discipline. So it's very important what's going on in our heart, and especially the decisions that we make each day. The first decision I want to talk about that we need to make in our heart, and I'm really going to talk about two main ones this morning, the decision to trust God, trust Jesus, and the decision to love Jesus. First of all, let's talk about the decision we need to make to trust Jesus. And especially we need to first trust in Him to be our Savior and Lord. That's the most important decision we can ever make. And, but let's first of all look at a verse that really, in general, is talking about the importance of trusting Jesus with our heart. Matthew 11, if we can get that up on the screen, Matthew 11, 22 and 23, Jesus said this, have faith in God. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. So Jesus is using a very dramatic figure here to say that if we have faith or trust in God instead of doubt, then he will give us great power to do great things, to do his will. And that decision to trust Jesus takes place in our heart. And the first most important decision we need to make to trust him is whether to trust him as our Savior and Lord. That's what saves us. That's what gets us to heaven. Trusting Jesus as our Savior, first of all, means to trust that it's his death on the cross that paid for our sins. We can't do enough good works. We can't help enough elderly ladies across the street to pay for our sins against a holy God. We're trusting Jesus as our Savior in that sense. But we also need to trust in Jesus to be our Lord 
that's the other part of the gospel that we shouldn't forget. To trust Jesus as our Lord means to decide in our heart that it'd be best for us to follow and obey him. That's why in Acts 16, 31, Paul said this to the Philippian jailer, trust in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. The word Lord here refers to a master whom we should follow and obey. And in Mark 8, 34 through 37, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? These verses are talking about salvation in Mark 8. And Jesus is very clearly saying that he wants us to trust him to be saved as the Lord of our life. That means we're deciding it's best to follow and obey him as our Lord. It's a decision of trust that we make. Follow him, trusting him as Savior, trusting him as Lord. That's what saves us. And then after that, as we live each day, we want to prove that we truly have decided to trust Jesus as our Lord. We want to prove that we're truly saved. How do we do that? By obeying Jesus out of love for him. Faith in Jesus is what saves us. Obeying him is what proves that we are saved. Very critical distinction. Jesus made that clear in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. In other words, obeying my Father. So let's be clear. Faith and trust in Christ saves us. Obeying Christ out of love proves that we're saved. And you know what? Jesus shows us a lot of grace and mercy along the way. We don't have to somehow get all cranked up and in our own energy obey him. No, we cry out to him and we ask him to help us obey him by faith out of love. And even when we blow it, he's a merciful, forgiving God. As we confess our sins to him, he forgives us. So there's a lot of mercy and forgiveness along the way. Bottom line on this. Let's make sure that our children and grandchildren and others we love have not only trusted Christ as Savior, but also as Lord. And that they know the way to prove that is by obeying Jesus out of love. Let's pray for them on those, these things. Let's gently talk to them about these things. But it's critical. This is the way to be saved. Now, so we've talked about one, the first way to trust Jesus in our heart is to trust him as Savior and Lord. There's a second way that we need to decide in our heart to trust him. And this needs to happen every day. And it is this. We need to trust Jesus to take care of our heart. We need to trust him to take care of our heart. That's what in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus said this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Don't you just feel more at rest even hearing those verses? Isn't our heart more at rest? The idea of soul in these verses does refer to our heart. And also, when Jesus is talking about taking our yoke, uh, taking his yoke upon us, he's talking about obeying him out of love. And it's a beautiful thing, though, as we take our heart to Jesus and seek to obey him out of love, he wants to also take care of our heart and give us rest. I have a question for you along these lines. 
Have you ever noticed that we do a better job of taking care of our worldly possessions than of our heart? I know none of us do, you know, maybe some other Christians down the road. But have you ever noticed that? That when it comes to our worldly possessions, we value them more highly than our heart in some ways. We, we take great care of our house and all the things in it and make sure it's extra clean oftentimes. And our clothes, we make sure that they look just right. And our car, oh, a lot of guys with their car, that car has to look just right. We are very careful to take care of our worldly possessions, but we often don't remember to take care of our heart. And that's critical. It reminds me of a neighbor that Linda and I used to have in Texas, lived a few blocks away. This guy loved his car, and boy, he took such good care of that car. Oftentimes in the summer or spring or fall, when I was walking by his house, he was washing his car. And I mean washing it very carefully. And you could just see the look on his face. He was in heaven. He had this look, heavenly bliss on his face. Oh, I'm washing my car. Oh, this is great. And in contrast, and he treasured it like we need to treasure our heart. In contrast to that, and I might have said this before as our son Ross, when he was at the Naval Academy, he didn't take care of his car at all. I mean, he would, he would pile it full of clothes and junk and old food, food that had been sitting in there for months. I mean, Ross's car was a scientific experiment, okay? Filled with bacteria and mold. Uh, his car, in other words, it was a Petri dish on wheels, okay? That's the best way to describe his car. He didn't take care of it. Well, when it comes to our heart, let's be more like that neighbor who carefully cared for his car. Let's value our heart above all more than our worldly possessions. Let's not be like Ross and let junk fill up in our heart and just sit there. So, based on that, let me ask you this question this morning. I want you to ask it and take it to the Lord. Have you been taking care of your heart? Maybe a better question. Have you been trusting Jesus to take care of your heart? This is super important. We often don't do a good job at this. We get busy with life, doing all our tasks. But we don't stop often enough to ask ourselves, how is my heart doing? Have I been trusting Jesus with the challenges in my life? Is my heart hurting? Is it suffering? Is it rejoicing? Is it lonely? Whatever. And according to passages like Psalm 139, 23 and 24, it's good to ask the Lord to help us answer that question. Lord, there's so much going on in there. Help me see what's going in my heart. How's my heart doing? And Lord, thank you. And I want to now take it to you so that you can take care of it. I think we need to ask these questions of others as well. When our children were growing up, Linda used to often ask our children this question, how's your heart doing? How's your heart doing? And she especially liked to ask it at night after our kids had gone to bed, before they had gone to sleep, when they were in that groggy middle zone. You know what I'm talking about, right? She'd slip into their room, sit down on the edge of their bed and whisper, How's your heart doing? How's your heart doing? And let me tell you, when she did that, it was like truth serum. It was like they would suddenly get in this trance. Mom, thank you so much for asking that question. Let me now reveal to you all the secrets of my heart. I mean, it wasn't quite like that, but you get the idea. <laughs> Oftentimes, 
They would just share. And that's critical as us parents and grandparents and other loved ones. Let's try to get at what's going on in their heart and reassure them. We'll be confidential. We'll care. We'll respect what they tell us. And then we can help them take their heart to Jesus. But first of all, we need to ask ourselves that question on a regular basis. How's my heart doing? Jesus, show me. How is it going inside of me? The joys and the struggles. And as we discern that, then we can take our heart to him so he can care for it. And then as he cares for it, what he's really doing is giving us whatever resources our heart needs. It might be forgiveness, the power to forgive others, uh, comfort, peace, courage, or whatever. He loves our heart. And as we go to him, he'll give it what it needs. So let me give you an example of what might that look like. What does it look like to take our heart to Jesus a little more specifically? How do we trust him to take care of it? Well, it might be as simple as just going to him and talking to him about what's on our heart and asking him to help us. For example, if you've just found out that last night some of your friends went out to eat without you and didn't invite you, it might mean taking our heart to Jesus like this. (sighs) Jesus, I just found out that I've been excluded. Last night some of my friends went out to eat and they did invite me. And Lord, I admit it hurts. And first of all, Lord, Jesus, I just need you to comfort my heart. Thank you that in your word in Matthew 5, 4, you say, blessed are those who mourn or grieve and, and you shall be comforted. I need your comfort right now, Jesus. And I thank you that you're willing to get it. And Jesus, I thank you that ultimately I don't need my friend's love. Ultimately, you promised me in Romans 8 that nothing can separate me from your love as I trust in you, that your love is enough. And Jesus, if it be your will, help me gently go to one of these friends and respectfully ask them why I was left out. And then no matter what they say, Lord, help me not hold it against them. Help me forgive them. Thank you, Jesus, that I can just bring my heart to you right now and you can take care of it, and give me what I need. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's absolutely critical that we do each day what I've just done. With little hurts, big hurts, whatever, medium hurts, it's critical. We can't let junk continue to go into our heart and sit in our heart. And we can't let it accumulate junk like fear and anger and even lies. Let me talk about each of those for just a little bit. First of all, let's talk about fear, how that can accumulate on our heart. We all have fears, don't we? And we need to admit those. Uh, We have fears about uh, money, uh, relationship problems, um, immorality and crime in our country, what's going on overseas, like in the Ukraine, uh, that we just, there's a lot of fears that we deal with at times. All right, I got to admit to you right now, one of my fears, you're not going to tell anybody, this is only online, Um, it's going to the doctor at times. I have a little bit of fear, my wife would say a lot of fear, about going to the doctor at times. And just a few weeks ago, my primary care physician looked at the top of my head and said, "Uh, Scott, you've got a couple little bumps there that I think you need removed 
to be removed. We don't want them to turn into precancer or anything. So you better go to a dermatologist and have those removed. Well, the minute he said that, I thought, oh man, that sounds painful. I bet, I bet when I go to the dermatologist, he's going to burn them off and it's just going to be excruciating. And so I made the appointment though, and I'm driving to the dermatologist and I'm having to take my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I know I'm being a big baby right now, but yes, I'm a little fearful. I think they might burn those two bumps off and it's really going to hurt. Jesus, I need you to help me have courage and to be a good witness for you no matter what happens. So go to the dermatologist. I'm sitting in the chair. He does a little small talk. And then all of a sudden he comes toward me. He says, it's time to get those off your head. He comes toward me with something this long that looks like a blowtorch. I thought, oh no, he's going to burn those bumps off with a blowtorch. Oh man, that's really going to hurt. Lord, help me. Well, he comes over and puts them above my head. And out of this thing that looked like a blowtorch, some cool little wisps of cold air came out. And he froze those little bumps. And it didn't hurt at all. And, and I'm thinking, and I know I heard Denny saying this in my head, you big baby. <laughs> it did not hurt, did it? And so the point is, whatever our fear is, when, if it's something littler or silly like I've just described or something bigger, Jesus cares about the fears of our heart and let's take those to him and he'll be with us. He will give us the courage that we need. All right, there's another piece of junk that can be sitting in our heart that we need to take to Jesus. And that is anger. Anger. Yes, there is such a thing as righteous anger, but whatever kind of anger sits in our heart, we can't just let it sit there because it can easily turn into bitterness and then into hatred. So let's take care of any anger in our heart. And you know, anger often starts out as another emotion. We can start out by being afraid or hurt or even bored, and then we can easily turn it into anger because it feels better to be angry than it does to feel fearful or hurt or whatever. I unfortunately uh, did that with uh, Linda a couple days ago. I feel like you guys are my counselors. I'm lying on a couch right now, but I think I want, Jesus wants me to share this with you. A couple days ago, I get up and uh, first thing in the morning and right away go to the living room and Linda says, uh, Scott, we have a decision to make. Um, Ross uh, wants to talk to us on the phone. Uh, Ross is wife our overseas missionaries. And she says right away, Scott, Ross wants to know when we can talk to him on the phone. Harmless question, right? Linda did nothing wrong. But unfortunately, here's how I responded. I got a little frustrated. I got a little angry. This is confidential, right? And I said this to Linda. Linda, do we have to talk about this right away? I just got up. And so it's like, then I thought later, all right, what's going on there? Why would I respond that way to my wonderful wife? And here's really what was happening. I was turning fear into anger. When I got up that morning, I was feeling a little bit fearful, a little bit overwhelmed because I had a lot to do. I had to, you know, work on this sermon. There were other church stuff going on. Matt Glidden's gone. There's a lot on my plate. So I'm feeling a little fearful, a little overwhelmed. So when I first get up and Linda says, oh, we need to do this, it felt like Linda was just giving me one more thing to do and it just pushed me over the edge. It felt too overwhelming. 
And like I said, she did nothing wrong. It was my issue. I was turning fear into anger and frustration. And I apologized to her and had to take my heart to the Lord. And the Lord is good, isn't he? To forgive us, to um, give us what our heart needs. So that can happen to any of us, I think. It's easy to turn fear into anger. Now, some of you right now, I won't even raise hands because I know all of you will raise your hand. Some of you might be thinking, Scott, you big baby. What, what a mess you are. First you tell us that you were afraid to go to the doctor for this little procedure. Now you tell us that you got angry at your sweet wife, Linda, who said something very innocent. Scott, you are a mess. And yes, I would agree with you. I am a mess. We are all a mess and we need to admit that. And we need to go and talk with each other when we're feeling like a mess or being a mess. And we need to share those things. Uh, and we need to empathize with each other and help each other take our heart to Jesus to help us deal with this mess and to, by faith, honor him in the midst of our mess. And he will do that. Let's do that one-on-one -on -one with people we trust. Let's even get to the point where in our small groups, we're willing to share our hearts and the mess that's on our hearts. That would be a great small group to not only share our head knowledge with each other, but our hearts as well. So let's get back for a minute to this topic of anger. Let's take our anger to Jesus. Let's, and part of that is showing, ask Jesus to show us what's underneath our anger. Is it fear? Is it sadness? Or just plain old hurt pride? It could also be unforgiveness. I've been struggling for a few months trying to forgive somebody. And I had started the process, but the Lord convicted me this morning at 8.30 a.m. that I need to do something else. I need to call this person at 8.30 a.m. And I'm going, oh, Lord, I'm going to preach in an hour. How can I be doing this too? And he said, no, I want you to do this. So I called him, and I basically said, look, you and I have each said some things to each other that, he, that we didn't like. I want us to give each other a fresh start. And he graciously said yes, that he wanted that too. So it was great. I mean, let's take care of our heart right away. Take it to Jesus. It might mean talking to somebody about what's going on in there. But the Lord is faithful to then give us what our heart needs. And in case of anger, it could be we're harboring unforgiveness towards somebody. That's what's causing that anger to build up. As we're dealing with hurts in our heart and stuff too, and things like anger... Let's try to find a Bible verse that deals with whatever the cause is of the anger in our heart or whatever's in our heart. For example, with anger, if it's unforgiveness, let's think about a verse on uh, forgiving others. My favorite verse on that is Ephesians 4.32, which is saying we should forgive others because God has forgiven us through Christ. What great motivation. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin. Nobody will ever sin against me more than I've sinned against you, yet you wiped the slate clean, so how much more should I be willing to forgive this person who has sinned against me? Thank you, Jesus, for your word that motivates me to forgive others as you have forgiven me. And that will take that junk that's sitting in your heart away. God and his power will use his word to do that. And you know what? If that's not quite enough, then part of what God's solution is sometimes for us to talk to another Christian, mature Christian about it, or if we need to, go to a Christian counselor. I've been to Christian counselors in my life. Sometimes we need to do that. 
So whatever it takes, let's not let junk sit in our heart like fear and anger. One other thing I want to briefly talk about, let's not let lies accumulate in our heart. Now, what do I mean by that? I think when we're hurting, Satan especially likes to come along and put a lie in our heart to make that hurt even worse. Jesus said in John 8, Satan's the father of lies. He's a liar. And just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden in the beginning, he loves to give, tell us lies that make our hurt even worse. So let me give you an example. Remember how I talked about um, us realizing that some friends of ours went out to eat without us the night before? And it's hurting. Here's what Satan would love us to think along with that hurt. You know, the people you thought were your friends, they must not really like you very much. And that must be because you're really not very likable. No one really likes you because you're really not that lovable. And what that means, by the way, is that you are alone in this world and to make it, you're just going to have to gut it out and harden your heart and make it on your own. Satan loves to put lies like that in our heart, doesn't he? And we need to catch those lies and we need to speak against them the truth of the living God that we are not alone in this world. Christ will always be with us. He will never depart from us if we've trusted him as Savior and Lord. We can never lose his love and he will make sure to give us everything our heart needs just when we need it if we go to him. I love what he says about that in John 15, 9 through 11. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Let's not go chase the false joys and pleasures of this world. Let's go to directly to Jesus with the hurt and anger and lies on our heart and he will give us the love and joy that we need and our joy, as he says, will be complete. We do not need to look anywhere else but to the Lord Jesus Christ. What we've been talking about, decisions we need to make in our heart, especially to trust Jesus to take care of our heart. Let's talk briefly about a second decision we need to make then. Out of gratitude for him taking care of our heart, out of gratitude for the cross, let's also decide each day to love him with all of our heart. And Jesus makes that clear, doesn't he, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, To love the Lord your God with all your heart. Jesus is God the Son, so out of gratitude for the cross, out of gratitude that he's the king of the universe who loves us, then let's love him back with all of our heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, one way to put it, it means to honor and enjoy Jesus Christ. To honor and enjoy him, to respect and delight in him, Scripture's clear about that, that that's a part of loving him. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So yes, there's a part of love that's making an intellectual decision to honor him, but there's an emotion involved to enjoy him and delight in him and all he is and all he's done for us. That's a part of true love. For example, did you know that there are at least three engaged couples in our church? I won't tell you who there are, but there's at least three, maybe more. Actually, you know what? I just thought of a fourth. I think there's at least four engaged couples in our church. And I won't name them, 
But you know what? When you're around an engaged couple, it's often pretty easy to spot them because they're really kind of enjoying each other more than the rest of us do <laughs> in our marriage. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I wish it weren't true, but sometimes it is. And so here, you know, you can see this engaged couple and they just, you can, to- when they look at each other when they're in our midst, they, they enjoy being together and they're just delighting in each other. And in fact, let me tell you a secret. I even saw one of these couples kiss each other right in church. Can you believe that? I mean, is that even in our bylaws? Is that acceptable? I don't know. I'm just saying. Of course it is. The point is, when you really love someone, we not only honor them, we enjoy being with them. And that is what we're to do with the Lord Jesus Christ as we're loving him with all of our heart, all of our joy, all of our energy, all of our commitment, no matter what challenges we're facing in our life, it's putting him first in our life above everything else because he's greater than anyone else. He's loved us more than anyone else and we're gonna love him with all of our heart no matter what's happened in our life, no matter how much we're suffering, he deserves our love. Jesus helped me do that recently with him. I've already told you a lot of my weaknesses, so I gotta put something in here too where he actually helped me do okay. It's, he still gets the glory. Thursday night, I played pickleball with three guys from our church. And we had a great time, Blueberry Park, and then we left. And as I left, I noticed there were eight teenage guys playing basketball on the court next to the pickleball court. Well, I drove the two minutes to our house, and when I got home, the Lord started talking to me. And I believe the Lord can talk to us, put thoughts in our head. And I I believe he put this thought in my head. Scott, you should go back and witness to those 18 guys. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm tired from pickleball. And they're not, gonna, they're not gonna listen to me. And I bet, I bet they're busy playing basketball. How could that even work? He said, no, trust me, you just go do it. So I drive to the pickleball court, the basketball court where these 18s are, and once you know it, they're taking a break. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord, all right, fine, you're making it clear, I need to talk to them, they're taking a break. I had eight gospel tracts with me, and I walk over to them, and, and God just gave me words. I don't even remember everything I said. I just said something like, hey guys, you know, I, I just believe the Lord wanted to come and first of all, tell you all that Jesus loves you guys. And I want to tell you how you can get to know him so you can experience his love in your heart. And so I gave them each a gospel tract. I shared further about the gospel. And you know what? God had prepared their hearts because all eight of them listened respectfully. It is a lie of Satan that people are not interested in hearing the gospel and not interested in hearing about Jesus. Because oftentimes when we step out in faith to share, God has made their heart ready. And it was such a cool time. And I thank Jesus because more than me obeying Jesus by faith, it more than that was he was causing this all to happen. And he gave me the privilege of sharing him and enjoying him with all of my heart. So let's step out in faith even when it's hard. Love Jesus with all of our heart. Let's realize he deserves it. He's the king who died on the cross for us. And step out in faith and do what he wants. 
There's one other thing that can help us with loving him with all of our heart. Let's be aware of things that we love in this world that are draining our love for Jesus and kind of taking our love away and lessening our love for Jesus. Let's confess that and let's even at times decrease or get rid of those things. I'll give you a quick example. Sports. A lot of us guys, maybe some of the women too, really love sports. We love watching our favorite sports team on TV, Pittsburgh Steelers, whatever. I'm, a, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I grew up 30 minutes away, University of Iowa. But here's the problem. It's okay to enjoy that to an extent, but if you're like me, sometimes you get really frustrated at watching your favorite team when they're losing or you're not doing it, they're not doing as well as you think, and then what happens? It takes away our joy and love for Jesus that day, that day. We're so frustrated at our sports team, it puts us in a bad mood and we're not enjoying and loving Jesus like we should. So I've got a brilliant solution. When you're being frustrated by your favorite sports team on TV, turn off the stupid TV, okay? I know it's a brilliant solution, but let me just give you that for free, okay? Turn off the stupid TV. Say, Lord, I'm getting too frustrated by them right now. Help me now get back to loving and enjoying you, loving and enjoying my family. Help me just move on. And as we do that, it helps Jesus to take care of our heart and give us what we need. Well, this morning, let me summarize. This morning, we started see, start out by seeing why our heart's so important to God, to Jesus. It's in our heart where we decide to trust Jesus and love him each day. Trust him to take care of our heart, and then out of gratitude for that, love him back with everything we have. I want to tell you this story in closing. This is a story that a young mom wrote a few years ago. I think it was 2007. I want you to listen carefully to this story. I think it'll bless your heart as you hear what happened. This young mom writes this. We were the only family with children in the restaurant. It was me, my husband, and our baby boy, Eric. Suddenly, Eric saw someone in the restaurant and squealed with delight. He pounded his little hands on his high chair and yelled out to this person, hi, hi. Remember those days? Anyway, hi, hi. I turned around to look for who Eric was talking to. And when I saw who it was, my heart fell. It was a very unkept, unwashed old man sitting at a nearby table. He looked like he was homeless. His clothes were dirty and baggy with holes in them. His hair was uncombed and unwashed. Our meal finally came and this man then started to speak in an overly loud voice back to my little boy, Eric. He began to say, hey there, big boy. Do you do patty cake? Do you do peekaboo? <sighs> My husband and I were so embarrassed. We ate in silence, but not Eric. He continued to smile and laugh and talk to this old, unkept man. We finally got through the meal and headed for the door. My husband went to pay the check and he told me, meet me in the parking lot as fast as you can. Unfortunately, as I got to the door, I saw that the old man had left his table and parked himself in front of the door so that he could intercept Eric and I as we walked out. I tried to hurriedly step past the man and get out of the restaurant, but before I could get by him, Eric had propelled himself out of my arms and into the arms of this old man. I was horrified. 
However, at that moment, a very smelly old man and my baby boy expressed their love to one another. Eric, in an act of total trust, love, and submission, laid his tiny head on this man's rugged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw tears hovering beneath his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime and pain and hard labor, cradled my baby boy's bottom and stroked his back. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and cradled Eric in his arms. He then opened his eyes and looked directly into mine, and in a firm voice, he said this to me, you take care of that baby. In a choked up voice, I said, I will. The old man then pried Eric from his chest, gave Eric back to me with a pained look on his face. The man's final words to me were these, God bless you, ma'am. You've just given me my best gift for Christmas. I ran Eric to the car. I began to cry, as I am. I began to cry while saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love through the innocence of a little child who saw no sins, made no judgments. A child who saw a man's heart with a mom who just judged that man's appearance. People in Northgate, I've told you this story for several reasons. One reason is because it gets to our heart. It helps us feel some positive emotion again. And frankly, some of us have shut down our heart. At some point in the recent or distant past, we got tired of the hurts in our heart. We didn't take them to Jesus. And we've shut down our heart. And we don't feel much of anything anymore. And I think it's a story like this where Jesus can use it to remind us, open up your heart again. Open it up to him Open it up to others. Take that risk that as you do that, he can take care of your heart. And like Jesus said in Matthew 18 too, let's become like a little child in that sense with our heart. There's a second group of you who may have needed to hear this story. And maybe you're like this mom. You've been guilty of judging others or having unloving attitudes in some ways and that's been sitting on your heart. And this morning, we know what Jesus would want us to do, don't we? Let's take those judgments and unloving attitudes to him and confess them and ask him to help us grieve over them and trust that he forgives us because he does and he will. And finally, maybe like this old man, we have a heart that's hurting this morning. Maybe we're missing somebody we love or maybe we haven't been treated well by someone or maybe life just hasn't turned out like we had hoped. There's so many people walking around disappointed, even Christians with their life. It just didn't turn out like they had hoped. And that hurt is sitting in there right now. But you have a Jesus, the king of the universe, who cares about that hurt on your heart right now. And he wants you to take it to him so that he can comfort you and give you everything your heart needs. And then out of gratitude for that, he wants us to then loving back with all of our being all of our heart and do what little Eric did too. Reach out to the heart of someone else who's hurting and help them take their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ.